It's another day here at the Comeback Team Studios, and I have an extraordinary woman, one with courage and wit and made history, at least in the New York City area, and if not the world. I have someone who was involved in the miracle on the Hudson. She was the first ferry captain for the New York City waterway at a very young age, and she was involved in the rescue after the heroic pilot, uh, Captain Sully Sullenberg, you guys all know, who landed the plane safely onto the Hudson River, which was a miracle in itself. And then to make sure it was a miracle because that water was freezing, we had Captain Brittany Catanzaro. You like the way I say that? It's fine. And she's going to come on today and we're going to have a great time talking about her life, how she became a captain, and then actually what happened that day from her perspective, which makes it more interesting. I want to thank you for coming on the show. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. Thank you for existing in this crazy world that we live in. We need people like you. Thank you. We need people like you so we can say you're a good person. What movie was I referencing? I have no idea. Scarface, but I changed the words. Um, I bump in, you know, I'm actually by the New York waterway pickup, the ferry terminal. You know, I'm not going to say which one for my own safety. There's a lot of weird people out there. Let's just say I was walking on the Hudson River a couple weeks ago. And I run into this very interesting man. He ends up being your father. And we're talking. He's like, what do you do? And I said, well, you know, I have a talk show and I do this and I do that. And he goes, ah, you got it. And then he saw what my show was about, about extraordinary people, people that are inspirational in many ways. He's like, ah, you haven't had anybody yet. So what do you mean? He's like, you haven't had my daughter. I'm like, every father says that. Their kids are the best. Their kids are the best. But then when he told me who you were, I was like, okay, I got to get Brittany on the show. So thank you. Thank you again for having me. Brittany, before we get into the miraculous day of what happened, where that plane went down and you were working and you started out probably just like a regular day at work, right? Yes. Before we get to that day, I always like to start in the beginning of my guest's life. A little bit about, you know, where you're from and kind of how you got to the point where you became a captain. In your own words. Tell me about your life. Where does your life start? Are you a Jersey girl? Are you a Jersey girl? I was born and raised in Jersey, yes. What part of Jersey? Cliffside. Cliffside Park, Bergen County. Yes. Very close to the city. Yes. They filmed part of the movie Copland. With Sylvester Stallone and my friend Arthur Nascarella, who comes on the show often, actually. They filmed the movie Big in my elementary school. With Tom Hanks? Yes. In your elementary school? Yes. That was filmed in Cliffside Park? It was. Oh, Tom Hanks is dead. We're going to get to that later. Tom Hanks, if you're listening, we know you left. You went to Greece, and just the reasons why are still up in the air. We don't understand, but uh, to be determined, kind of, I'm a little mad at him, based on what you told me, but we're going to talk. It's not your fault. So you went to the same school as Tom Hanks, filmed the movie, big. Yeah. My elementary school was? School number? Six. Six. So you went to Cliffside, Cliffside Park. You grew up in this town. Yes. Need you to talk a little louder. Okay. <laughs> you first experiences on the water? Um, I grew up on boats. My dad had one, and that's where my love kind of came from. It. I've been on that since I've been two years old. So every summer it was at a school and we lived on it all up until the day before school. On the Hudson River? Yes. 
that's where I met your father. And he's like, yeah, you want to see my boat? And I look, this is a nice size boat. This is a really nice size boat. Actually, we have a clip of it. We're going to put it in here from one of our episodes. Actually, I have a shot of it. So we're going to put that up here. So, I mean, was the boat your father always had that size? It was a pretty decent yacht. Yeah, that's the boat that he's had since we started. It's a nice boat. So he would take you as a as a young kid? Yep, me and my sister, my mom. We all used to go out. We'd go out to Long Island Sound, Lock Island. Fish? No, there was no fishing on that boat. He didn't want it to stink. No. You couldn't even scratch a hose on that boat. Would you guys ever sleep on the boat overnight? Oh, we used to live on it all summer long. Seriously? I wouldn't see my house. Was it always docked where I met your pops? No. But along the Hudson River? Yep. Okay, so your entire life, summers, you spent on boats. Yes. You became in love with it. Mm-hmm. Did you know at a young age you wanted to be a sailor or a captain? Is that the proper term? Sailor? Captain. Captain. Boat sailor. Boat handler. That's Is that something you, you envisioned yourself doing? I did. I loved being like at the marina that we used to be at. Even when I was like little, I used to always try to work there. And where my boat, my dad's boat used to be docked was actually the main terminal for New York Waterway. So I used to see them pull in and out all day long. I used to try to actually work there. I was like 16, but age-wise I couldn't. So so you finished school? You finished high school? Yes, finished high school. College? No. You knew right away I want to be. I'm not, I was not a person for school. Some people are just not. And there's nothing wrong with that. I wasn't. I was not cut out for school. Thank God you didn't go to school. <laughs> Some people might not be here today. Seriously. <laughs> I'm not a school person. So you're in school daydreaming about the ocean sailing, right? Pretty much. My dad, when I was, my, me and my sister are four years apart. So my dad, when she was getting ready to graduate, my dad started talking to her about the Coast Guard, which I really had nothing to know about it. And then he was like, I started getting the idea in my head. I'm like, wait a minute, you're telling me I can get paid to be on a boat all day? So once I got out of high school, I en- enlisted into the Coast Guard Reserves. You did that training down in Cape May. Yes. Cape May, New Jersey, for those of you who have mentioned it on my show many times. It's the oldest beach resort in America. Very Victorian town. So what is it like being in the coast? I would see you guys jogging on the the summertime. I would see the Coast Guard jogging down the main avenue in Cape May sometimes, trying to be cool, you know? That's probably the recruits. Yeah, trying to be tough and shit. Look at us, we're in the Coast Guard. We'll fuck you up. (laughs) It was, no, that'll be God bless them. We need them. (laughs) And Cape May has some historical stuff from World War II. They have, like, that lookout tower on Sunset Beach where they were looking for German U-boats during World War II. Please tell me you know this and you were in the Coast Guard and you were down there. Hey. I'm going to pop that up right here. So if you're listening to this show, you should watch our show on YouTube once in a while because you'll get to see the pictures and the amazing guests that I have. And this one's very lovely. But please tell me you, you knew there was a, two, a World War II lookout tower in Cape May, New Jersey. Honestly, when I was down there for boot camp, it was just mainly focused on that. I'm not a big history person. So when you're down there, you have to stay on on campus? Yep. What's it like being in the Coast Guard, man? Please tell me. It's fun. It, it Paint the picture because I want people to understand what is it like because they might, it might make someone join. We, God knows we need, we need Coast Guard. So. It definitely makes you grow up a little bit quicker. Um, gives you a different perspective on everything. You meet amazing people. You land up working with and, you know, becoming like best friends between boot camp and you stay in touch with them. And, you know, it all depends on what your job is in the Coast Guard. 
What's the female male ratio like? What was it like back then? Was there a lot of a lot of women signed up for the for the Coast Guard? When I went through boot camp, I think there was ten female total out of. I think our company was seventy eight. So one seventh. Yeah. So it's not high compared to the male. So it's about six to seven. I see times. a lot more now. I definitely do see a lot more females coming in. And I'm sure you were yelling when they used to make you yell, yes, sir, sir, no. You have to do that stuff in the Coast Guard? Yes. How long was the training? Eight weeks. What was that like? I mean. I would do it all over again. It was fun? Um, once you figured out the game that they try to play, it was fun. But there was parts that it was hard. It was all a big mind trick, mind game. So once you finished that training, what do you, what, I mean, how, is it just a reserve? Is that what it is? or? Well, I went in as a reserve, but I also trained with people that were doing full-blown active duty. So everybody goes in together. Did you have to have any certifications before you went in? No. Like boat license, anything like that? Nope. So you do two months of training there. Yep. And then God forbid there's a conflict and they need you. They call you up. Mm -hmm. And how long do you have to stay under reserve for? Um, I'm in 14 years, but my first um, initial contract was eight. You're still in? I'm still in. How often do you have to go back? Um, I go one week in a month and two weeks out of the year. Thank you for your service. Thank you. So you do all that, you're on the reserves, but then, you know, that's not full-time. No. So during this point, what, you decide, hey, let me... Well, let me. once I got out of boot camp, I went down to their school, originally for machinery technician, A school. Once I got finished with that, I started working at New York Waterway. I got hired for them as a deckhand. And that was March, the end of March, I believe, in 2008. And then by August of 2008, I was bumped up to captain. So in between that period, I went, got my license, and um, got promoted. Now, this wasn't just like, oh, I got my license. I became a ferry boat captain. Like, you were the first female. Yes, and the youngest. And the youngest captain in the New York Waterway history. Yes. Of New York City and New Jersey, because you're talking about two states. Right? It was both states. You were the... Youngest and well, New York Waterway is just the company itself. I'm not sure about like well, until someone proves us wrong. <laughs> For now, there is captain, female captains. I know, like on the Staten Island ferry, and you hear them on yeah, the that's true. I forgot stuff. about the Staten Island ferry. So, there well, is two, other female captains out there. I don't know if I'm the actual youngest. But for the New York Waterway, you were New York Waterway, the company I was, and the youngest. Now, how long were you into your career before this whole thing? Like, what years are we talking about? When did you go into the Coast Guard? I went in September 11th, 2007. September 11, 2007. Yes. Very uh, easy date to remember. Yes. Right? Anniversary-wise, unfortunately. So, uh, and, the, and New York Waterway was very involved in that also during 9-11. They were. I, I remember. Now, if I would have known they were doing what they were doing, I probably would have made it home that day. I never made it back to Jersey that day. I ended up in Brooklyn, uh, in Brooklyn and then Queens that night. I ended up Because I thought the West Side Highway was, that's it. There's no other way to. But I heard they were ferrying people between New York and New Jersey the whole time, and I didn't know. So I didn't make it home for days after 9-11. But you guys, your company at the time, helped a lot of people get home after the tragedy. So you went in 2007, and uh, you, 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 make a, you, know, you make a little bit of history, at least for the company itself, being the first you know, female and the youngest, which is cool. Did you feel any pressure? Um, a little bit. I was the, there was only maybe two other females that worked there and they were deckhands. 
Do you ever feel like as a woman that, you know, you have that responsibility, like, you know, I, I got I to gotta make sure if there's any stereotypes or any glass ceilings, as they would call them, I don't want to let down my fellow females. Like, do you, did you ever feel that type of pressure? Did it ever cross your mind? I mean, if we're speaking I openly I didn't here. really want to, like, let down myself. I didn't really look at myself as, like, this big role model of it. It was just more me doing it for me, for what I love to do. It was more I didn't want to fuck up and be, that's the girl. She's the first, and she's the one that messed up. But, I mean, it definitely adds a little pressure. No? Oh, in the yeah, back of the mind? Oh, yeah. There's a lot of pressure to it. But you're shattering sterile, you know, people, traditional roles, right? Traditional roles. You know, most women, why would they go into the military? Most women will not go into the Coast Guard. Most women will not become a, you know, drive a, a boat. So you, you, in my opinion, you, you know, you're already against the grain in a lot of ways. And you're proving that, you know, anyone that thinks differently... That there's a lot of, you know, sometimes people think backwards. So it's important that, you know, these uh, stereotypes are obliterated. And I think you've done that. Thank you. So I think you should be very proud of yourself. And I think many people are very proud of you, even without the miracle stuff that happened. Thank you. I'm proud of you. Thank you. So, uh, and I know your father is. He's like, yeah, basically, I was like, if I say, if I don't say yes, this guy, I'm going to end up in the Hudson River. And, and there's no ferry boat coming to get me. <laughs> Got the Cantazaro. Eh, Senore Cantazaro. And my audience is like, there goes back again, fucking talking too much. But um, I'm enjoying the interview. How long do you win before all hell breaks loose that day? Um, I got bumped up as captain August, and that happened January. So just a few months in. In August, you got promoted. Yeah. What day do you remember? August 18th. Too bad you couldn't do it on my birthday. I'm not going to say which day it was. but So not even a few months later, about f four months later, five months later, and it was cold that day. It was the coldest day of the year so far. I'm on the West Side Highway when this is happening. I'm driving towards that. I see lights. I see chaos. I don't know what the hell happened. I didn't see the plane actually go down. But I was driving with my brother, God rest his soul, we're on the West Side Highway. We were headed to 52nd Street. And I just see all the emergency responders driving down the way. Like, there was like tons of them that went down that way. So let's say, how does that day start for you? The day of the miracle on the Hudson. Um, it was cold. The, my crew was full overtime. So I never even really worked with them, never trained with them, like on our drills, anything. And um, I just came in for the second half of my shift. And that was just going from Lincoln Harbor to Pier 79. Lincoln Harbor, for those of you, is New Jersey, and Pier 79 is downtown. Midtown. Midtown. Yep. So it's just literally crossing back from New Jersey to New York, New Jersey to New York, yep. along the Hudson River. Yes. Basically almost in kind of like a straight, straight shot, straight shot across. So you start a regular day, but you're saying the crew you had was not the your My usual crew. crew. No. Okay, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. So you start working. Walk us through it. Um, I think we were on, I think it was like only our second run. And, um, the captain that I relieved before me from his shift, he actually called me on the phone. He's like, is there a plane that landed in the Hudson? I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, there's a plane. I was like, no, there's not. And as I'm backing out of pier 79, I think I had about maybe 22 passengers at that time on board. And as I'm backing out and I'm turning around to head back towards Lincoln Harbor, I saw this plane sitting there in the water. 
and I turned around, notified my crew. Um, the one, my one crew member, he's funny. Um, he comes up, he's like, well, you're going to do drills? And he's Italian, so he has this big, deep Italian accent. I'm like, what do you mean, man overboard? He's not doing drills. We have people on board. I was like, no, there's a plane in the water. And then from there, they just they just went to work. So did you even have to get in? Did you, you didn't even get it. Did you just do it on your own, or were you given the order? Oh, no, we just turned around, and I went. You didn't even waste time. The first thing I thought that that plane was actually going to sink. And there's people in there. Yep. Did you see any people out at that point? It was too far away. No, it wasn't far away. It literally looked like a kid playing in a bathtub with like little planes and like which was just floating and bobbing there. And by the time we started approach approach, that's when you started seeing the doors open and the rafts and everything come out. And I mean, it was freezing that day. I remember. Yes, it was. Trust cold. me, because I'll never forget the day. You so you actually never saw the plane even go down. No. I'd even feel awake behind me. Like, there wasn't, like, this big, like, nothing. That's a miracle in itself that it even landed like that. Mm -hmm. So you turn this boat around. You don't ask anybody. You're not even thinking if I'm doing the right thing. I have passengers. I know. I just went for it. There's people in trouble. Ask for forgiveness later. Ask for forgiveness later. Do you think that was your Coast Guard training that kicked in? Um, I think it was, like, overall everything kind of, like, kicked in. So you turn the boat around, and now the Hudson River is not like, you know, a pond. No. It's a very ferocious current. It could be, yes. That day was actually pretty, it was pretty heavy. Tell me what happens next. You start heading towards. I start heading towards the boat. My deckhand starts prepping all, like, our Drayson's cradle, and that's um, the rescue equipment that we use, which is lowers into the water, and you could actually either hoist them up, like if they were unconscious, you put them in, or they could climb up like a ladder. So, but even at that point, my deckhands are really manhandling them as they were coming out. Were you the first boat on the scene? No, I was the second. Okay. And both are doing rescues at the same time. Yep. And all, how many people did you guys end up pulling out of the Hudson River that day? We took out 24. Your boat? My boat alone, alone took out 24. Wow. I mean, it, hypothermia can set in so quickly in that type of, we're talking about January mm -hmm. 15th. If you weren't there when you were there, God knows how it could have ended. It would have ended bad. Like, he did an amazing job, that plane, but, like, his rescue wasn't over until we got there. New York Waterway, I can't even, I don't remember the actual count, but I think it was, like, 144 out of 154 passengers. 144 out of 150? That we picked up. But, what, like, the timing. What was the rest, NYPD? Um, I think the Coast Guard and NYPD. And I think there was actually another, like, Good Samaritan Close by. Was there. Yeah. Like a little boat. Mm -hmm. And I know at one point he wedged himself because it was like an, actually an old Coast Guard buoy tender, I believe. And um, he wedged himself between one of our New York waterway boats and the plane to make another platform so they could just step up. But where he landed, the timing that he landed, it was between shift change. And so they were able to almost get every single boat off the dock. And most of the captains there just jumped on boats and went. So once everyone gets on, you're still up inside the thing, yes. right? And you got to hold this boat against the current mm -hmm. perfectly for the, like, this is not like, okay, I was just there. I had the boat. Like there's a current against you. Oh, no, I relied on my crew. If it wasn't for my crew, that could have made or break <laughs> my whole career or this whole situation. It could have went, it couldn't yeah. have been a successful. You don't see the bow and you don't see over it. So I was strictly going by how many feet I had off. They were telling me and I was just relying on them. 
So once these people get on, what's the mood like on the boat? I'm not sure. So my on my boat, the wheelhouse is not in the cabin. I have no interaction with the passengers. So I couldn't really answer those questions. You didn't meet any of them after or nope. during? You've never seen them after? I saw a few of them when they did like the first year. Like um, like, a, like a remember the yeah. day? A couple of them. I know my there was one guy, I believe, that like jumped in. My guys took him out from there. He thought he could swim. A little too cold for that. I heard about that story. About a guy that started swimming or something. So we got him. And then at one point, one of the rafts broke. Like they cut it too soon. So it started to drift. And then me and another boat called the Athena pinned him in between us. So now we're both actually holding both of the boats there with this raft full of people in between so it doesn't actually like float down river to start pulling them out so everything was basically perfectly coordinated with no pre-planning it just happened mm-hmm. literally everybody's training kind of just kicked in damn so none of these people you never really had any interaction with them after that not too much just like the anniversaries and so what was the name of your boat i was on the thomas Keene. the thomas Keene. Yep. hey you survivors out there Yes, thank you, Dr. Sully. Reach out and touch someone. My friend over here. She'd like to hear your voice once in a while. Maybe some cookies on the holidays. You know what I mean? She didn't tell me to say that. I'm saying that. (laughs) Shit, if you pulled me out of a freezing river after a plane crash, I'd be visiting you every Thanksgiving, even though they don't want us to have Thanksgiving anymore in New York City with all this crazy shit going on. But if they are watching this right now, what would you say to them? I'm happy that they're home and my crew. Like, was you think about it at all ever? Not really, honestly. I don't. Just a part of your life that's. It was just normal. It doesn't. I wasn't looking. I was like not looking for any recognition out of it. It was just doing my job. Yeah, and that's not why you came on the show. I'm just interested because it's cool to hear these types of things from the people that were there. You know what I mean? It's not about sitting here saying you should be commended for what you did. You, know, you really brilliant. don't have time. Like when you're in that situation, you really don't have time to sit there and try to like soak everything that's in. Like it's just your training goes in. You want to get them in, get them out. And that's really it. And don't know, hurt nobody in the process. What did you do the rest of that day? Do you remember after? Uh, yeah, they sent me for a whole lot of interviews. <laughs> they did? Yes. They as soon just, as I docked the boat in the city. They're like, this is free press. We got to <laughs> Did they end up doing anything to, you know, the New York Waterway itself, did they end up doing anything to celebrate you and your, your other captains and your crews? They had um, an award ceremony. What was that like? Night oh. at Sizzler or something like that? Or? No, they had it in the terminal. Take you down to, to the terminal. They had it in the terminal. They had it set up. The Commandant of the Coast Guard actually came and gave out oh. awards. and. So that's cool. But they set up, because I saw you could actually rent out. The, was it in the new terminal that they it had? It was in the new terminal that they had. So they made it nice, though. They yeah. put the trees up and all that. I know. I've seen it. <laughs> I was about to say, if you throw me a party on my job, because this companies are cheap like that, you know, where they do it inside the office because they're cheap. But no, that's a, actually a place that they rent out from a lot of money to do events on because of the view and all that yep. stuff. So that's pretty crazy, man. You saved 24 lives with the help, obviously, of Captain Sully. Did you ever meet him? I have met him. What was that like? He's pretty chill, just laid back. He thanked us, you know. People love the guy. They do. But if those boats weren't there, Captain Sully. We might not be here today, man. 
Uh, have you ever spoken to him ever again? No. He never gave you a cell phone. Said thanks for pulling us out of the freezing water. Nope. If you need anything, reach out. Thanks, Doc. Thanks, Cap. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> so they end up making a movie about this. Yes. And I gotta admit, I've seen maybe like five minutes of it. Have you ever watched the movie? No, I had no interest in watching. Seriously. It. I've never watched it. You never watched it. Nope. Why not? I have no interest in it. Yeah, she doesn't. Yeah, you can't. Like she's very. <laughs> so, they they at least put you into the film. No, not that I know of. I Tom Hanks it. played Captain Sully. Mm-hmm. He filmed big in your elementary school. Yes. There was a reason God brought you guys <laughs> cosmically somehow. How the hell they don't put you? You're the first female captain of the New York Waterway. You're one of two captains involved directly in this mission. And they want to talk about being woke and cancel, you know, cancel culture and all this other stuff. How you don't put the female hero in it too? When it's actually what happened. I know that whatever, but it, me, it bothers me. I know this is not you talking, <laughs> but it does bother me. Because I, th- I would have found that more interesting than the other guy. No offense to him either. I know he's a friend of yours, but I'm saying I thought you should have been a part of that. Am I wrong? Am I crazy? I don't know. <laughs> you seem very humble. Too humble. Me, I'd have been like, yo, where's my, where's my, I want. I didn't know? do it for that. I know that. I know. I know. But I would have, like, I, I want my part in the film. Get to go to the premiere. I didn't even get invited to that. <laughs> you should write a book. How I got left out of the miracle of the Hudson. <laughs> but, um, so Tom Hanks never, you never got to speak to him. No. You know, he's in Greece now. I don't follow it. Do you know why they said he went to Greece? Nope. I don't know either. We're going to find out. Some of you do, though. I don't know. Maybe it's just, you know, weird thoughts. Well, nobody knows. We're going to find out, I think. He wants a long vacation. I don't know. He went to Greece. Do you blame him? Look at what's going on over here in, in America. So, all right. So, interesting. So, basically, you just did what you had to do. I did. My crew did, too. My crew was, I give them all the credit because, honestly, they would have made or break me. And if it wasn't for them, they made me. You still friends with them? If I see them, I talk to them. Like, I don't... It's kind of like, I had people I liked at work. Maybe out of the 100 people I've ever worked with in my life, I talk to one on a regular basis. The rest of them, I mean, you're lucky if they don't stab you in the back. You know what I mean? I no longer work there, so I don't really keep in touch with anybody. So you're no longer at the New York Waterway? No. So what do you do now? You still... I'm still on boats. I work for um, the Army Corps of Engineers now as a deckhand. That's pretty... It's pretty serious. It's fun. So, so describe to us what, what, what that type of role, you know, first of all, what does the Army Corps of Engineers do, you know, generally? And then what are you assigned to? Like, what do you do for them? Well, our, like, our division where we work, um, we have three big boats, which all have cranes on it. And then we have a couple of small boats. Some of them do surveys. The boats that I'm assigned to actually is a catamaran and it has, um, like, nets that drop down in the middle and we skim giant skimmer on top of the water to pick up like whatever debris and stuff so it doesn't get sucked up by any of the ships or boats coming in we also have a big crane for the larger pieces that don't fit in between the nets. does that does that protect marine life also yes so you're basically keeping new york clean mm-hmm. new york harbor for all like the commerce coming in and pleasure and what type of debris i mean obviously you're next to new york city there's sometimes bodies too, no? I have never encountered, but people I have worked with have. Bodies floating. I don't know if they were floating, but I know like if 
there's been times where they pulled cars out of the river that they're like, I hate my car. <laughs> and um, there's well, why don't you trade it? Not fuck it, just drive it into the Hudson River. Let the let the Army Corps of Engineers take it out. And for there's you. people in like there'll still be people in the in the cars. You mean like accidents that no one knew about? They just went in or suicide? I or I we can't don't know. speak. I don't know. We don't but know. I know like there's been. It's classified. <laughs> I know bodies have washed up in my town. Um, you know, I live in one of the towns along the Hudson River. It happens periodically. I heard you used to happen. Pretty freak. Pretty. Yeah, pretty often. Well, a lot of well, it. Well, recent some, there was one. Yeah. Was it like six months ago, a year ago? About, no, um, like maybe maybe a couple months ago. Ah, I missed that one. It wasn't in the headlines. <laughs> They were too busy assaulting every politician on earth. Is that war? We don't have time for the little stories anymore. But um, so literally you take out. So, okay. So the debris could be anything. It could be anything. It's trees. We've picked out like where you have some of the sightseer helicopters that, you know, land in the Hudson yeah. as well. We'll pick them up. What, the helicopters? Yes. Go in? Mm-hmm. Well, there was the one that crashed. With that was, a and then there was ago. fatalities or whatever. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't with the company. But what then. these helicopters occasionally fall in? How can we never hear about it? They're on the news. You can look them up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How often does that happen? Um, since I've been there, I think I pulled out three. You guys want to go see New York? Huh? You want to take a helicopter? I think I'm gonna stay home today. My friends just did it. He went for his birthday. I wanted a helicopter. I must. Wet myself. Well, a couple of years ago, Memorial Day weekend, there was the World War II plane that went down. Do you remember that when they were doing the air show? It was actually up by Edgewater. It was a plane. Area. It was in like one of the World War II planes. Oh, I think I remember hearing something briefly about that. Like the pilot, we lost, they lost the pilot there too, but Damn. we went and we picked it up with our crane and put it on board and bring it back. So you've been doing this for how many years now? I've been with the Corps for seven years. What's the coolest thing the Corps has done? There's a lot of cool recently. Things. I mean, they do crazy stuff. Um, could they, if, if they needed well, to, could they build a bridge across the Hudson River, like you see in the commercials and the movies, like the army can get across? There's like divisions that do that. I'm they not could a part if they of had it, to. yeah. But that does exist, and no, they do a lot of pretty cool things. Like they just assisted in the rescue of a whale that was trapped in a net, and um, it wasn't your net. It. it was your net. No, it oh, was okay. like a fisherman's net, and the whale was stuck. So a big whale. Yeah. In New York Harbor. Mm-hmm. Wow. Is Do you feel that the Hudson River is getting cleaner? Yes. Because it's disgusting. I don't think so. That was my first swimming pool. That's where I learned how to swim. So then you're you're a rat. You know what that is, right? You're a river rat. Yep. That name is usually reserved for the people of Edgewater. Before it became Beverly Hills. Edgewater, New Jersey. Yeah. And they used to have an initiation ritual. The kids of the town, they'd make each other jump into the Hudson River, which is like, you know, radioactive. You'd come out like a teenage mutant ninja turtle. You're telling me you used to swim in that river? Yes. Down by Edgewater? Mm-hmm. You're unofficially a rat. A river rat. We're not talking about a rat that testifies. I'm talking about, that's the nickname of people from Edgewater. You're part of the, you're part of that family now. <laughs> Shout out to Edgewater, New Jersey. <laughs> so that's what they would call them, the river rats, because they would be, they were, you know, it was like a, really blue collar town it was all industrial if you remember back in the days it was all factories and then you know and all those factories were toxic and then people would jump right off the ledge and into the hudson river and swim you were one of them i was <laughs> I you heard water it here. skiing 
She was baptized in the waters of the Hudson River, my friends. You have a very interesting life. Thank you. What do you think the future holds for Brittany Catanzaro? I'm just working to get hopefully a bigger license to get back behind the wheel again. I get promoted to captain for the Army Corps of Engineers. Do you go on cruises? I do. You know, I've never been on a cruise. Really? It's like every time it even slowly starts to get back into my mind that I'll actually go on a cruise, horrible things happen. One of my friends I used to work with just was working for a cruise company. He left the industry when he went into the cruise. With the whole pandemic, he got stuck on the boat for 80 days. They were eating the most disgusting food. No one was allowed off because of the whole, this is when the pandemic first started. They were not allowed off. People started committing suicide, he told me. Jumping off of the cruise ship. We're talking about the crew. That they were locked into their tiny rooms and not allowed out of the rooms. Like, they wouldn't even let them get off the damn ship. They started losing their minds. This is a true story. I'm not going to mention which cruise line. You know who you are, my friend. His name starts with a PH. You guess how many names start with that? So he was, like, uh, one of their, like, you know, employees. And he sent me this message. I mean, I actually have it saved. I can show you. So, yeah, viruses and this and that people get sick all the time they get you know diarrhea even when there's nothing going on on a cruise ship from what i'm hearing it happens all the time you ever got sick on a cruise ship no i can't say that. but you do hear the stories yes. a lot why is it so common um, i couldn't answer that question i don't know people getting diarrhea your bodies aren't used to stuck put them inside quarantine i mean that's the word quarantine really yeah i don't know i don't know Crazy. i never got sick i couldn't tell you how do you feel cruising around new york right now compared to before this whole pandemic thing started oh it's like dead it's depressing no yeah do you feel like just looking at to me someone that's lived on the hudson river his entire life for the most part seeing the skyline my entire life i feel like it's dimmer like there's not as many lights on i don't know come on really come on Brittany. i do notice like there's no ferries like you don't really see you don't hear anybody. There's the most scary sound to me for, for people that like us that live in this area, which is the most densely populated in the country. Is there no sound at all? Is there no sound at all? It's terrifying. It's terrifying to wake up in the morning at 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, and there's no sound. There's nobody going to work. There's no kids on the street going to school. It's just quiet. It's like this eerie silence. Like the quiet before the storm and you're on a small ship in the ocean. I feel like I'm telling a horror story here. I'm good, right? <laughs> Damn, Brittany. Brittany, so uh, anything else we should know? What do you want to say to a young lady out there who maybe hasn't figured out her life? Maybe in her heart, in her mind, which she might think are not traditional roles for a woman. Maybe. If what would you say to that woman who says, you know what, I do want to go into the military, but uh, it's so hard for women and it's so, you know, they're going to look at me differently. My family might be, you know, my dad might not want me to do it. I mean, what would you say to that woman who maybe feels that she wanted to do something similar to you or something that, you know, is not a high percentage of women compared to men? What I, advice could you give that woman? Me personally, I really never really grew up caring what people thought about what I did or what I didn't do. Um, my family, my parents were very good backing support. So I didn't have the negative 
about it. But if it's something that you love and you're going to be happy about it, just continue to roll with it. And the people that are going to be there are going to be there and back you. And the other people, you could just leave them behind because that's where they're going to stay, honestly. If your heart tells you to do it, do it. Right? Basically. Basically. One thing I forgot to ask you, that day when after you rescued everything, you went home. I mean, you eventually saw your pops. Mm-hmm. If he's watching, shout out to Mr. Catanzaro. Is that right? <laughs> and um, do you remember the first time you saw him after everything? I mean, he obviously was proud, yeah? Yes. Well, what do, you, do you remember what he said to you? Do you remember anything about that day? You seen your parents? or? I don't I know he tried calling me, but my phone died, like, after it happened. And um, I think when we talked before I actually saw him, I was getting ready to go on Larry King. And he was pretty, like, crazy. He's like, oh, that's really cool. What's going on there? And he calls me Chucky, so. Chucky? Yes. Don't know. How the hell you get Chucky from Britney? I don't know. So you end up on Larry King, too? Yes. What was that like? You were with one of the greatest talk show hosts in the world. I didn't actually physically with him, so I was, like, in a little tiny room and the camera's like right in your face and they're telling you to stare and it was really uncomfortable <laughs> yes. as they're asking you questions i saved the people that i was, was on the ship how i felt in there uh, i did my job <laughs> love you america <laughs> it was kind of how it was it was like in a room like the size of like a regular like bathroom not even like a full bath like you know one of those half ones and the camera's just in your face and you have the lady behind the camera, like, look in the camera. What does Brittany do for fun? Um, Any hobbies? Give us, a little, give us a little nugget about you. I don't know. I like to do, like, go, go-karting. Like, I don't know, just fun stuff. I try to make everything fun, though. So is fun for you ever going sailing without having to work anymore? Like, are you sick of being on a boat now? No. I could literally go from work and go down to my boat. And you have your own boat? I do. Is it docked close to Pops? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I got a new friend now. <laughs> I got a new friend now. I'll keep an eye on it. I don't know how to f- drive it. I never will. No, it is. And just enjoying time with my kids. And How many you got? I have two. What do you got? I have a boy and a girl. You're lucky. I got three boys. We tried to have the girl. It's not happening. <laughs> my wife sounded this weird impression that we're going to try to get the girl. Not going to happen. <laughs> I can't afford the ones I got. <laughs> so, so I'm trying to keep the traditions going with them. They enjoy it. So hopefully... What kid doesn't like being on a boat? Actually, now I remember what I wanted to ask you. Motion, uh, seasickness. Never. Never had it? Do you, do you drink? I like, do you have? Do you have do you, like occasionally. If yeah. you're on the boat, we have a few? Not while I'm driving, no. Not, okay, we know that's the right answer. I'm talk- <laughs> <laughs> we know that's the right answer. I'm talking about like maybe your dad was driving. So you've never gotten seasick? No. How about your kids? My daughter has. It's the worst. I've been seasick. But she's before. a trooper, though. We actually went out on another boat fishing, and it was probably really, really hot. And um, she kept on telling, like, it was me, my sister, my dad. She kept on telling me, Mom, I don't feel good. I'm like, oh, you're fine. You don't get seasick. Next thing you know, she's, like, puking the watermelon off the side of the boat. And then she'll look at me. She's like, oh, can I have my fishing pole? And just a little trooper and went right back into it. Yeah, you do that when you're in your 40s. <laughs> it's a little bit more rough. I've uh, I've been seasick before. I've also been cast overboard on a fishing trip. Oh. It's happened. Those that know about that story know about that story. <laughs> it was an attempt on my life. <laughs> I survived. I still have the stitches here. I hit I hit the like of the boat. The back part. Mm-hmm. What do you call that? With the with the, the transom? With the you know, above where the 
propeller would be. The stern, the yeah. transom. Mm-hmm. When I went over, I... We were, we were horsing around, and someone kind of horsed around a little too hard, and the way I flew, I almost died in my mind. But I thought I was being killed. <laughs> thought it was like Carlito's Way. <laughs> you ever seen that scene, Carlito's Way? No. They're, they're supposed to go pick up the guy, and they end up killing him on the boat. I survived. Close family member, too. Yeah. I survived. Maybe they're trying to give me a message. Maybe they're sick of me, my family. I don't know. <laughs> so, Brittany, what's some of the most difficult things you ever have to... Is there anything extremely difficult that you've had to go through in your life? Besides shattering stereotypes, besides, you know, being a trailblazer, what is, what's maybe some of the most difficult things you've ever dealt with? Having to have brain surgery a year ago. Brain surgery? Yes. I would never tell by talking to you that you had brain surgery. What did you have brain surgery for? I got diagnosed with Cushing's disease. Please forgive me for being ignorant. It's what okay. the hell is Cushing's disease? Most people don't know. So it's actually like it's common but rarely diagnosed or very misdiagnosed. It's tumors on, well, I had the tumors on my pituitary gland in my brain. And that gland kind of chain controls your whole body. Of course it does. It's very important. Yeah. So So what were you feeling? How did you find out you had it? Um, Just my body started to change. I wasn't feeling right. Um. I started to gain like rapid amount of weight and I couldn't understand why. And I would still be working out just as much as I did any other day. And it like slowly came on. Any other symptoms? Not really. Can it kill you? I'm not sure. I'm sh- sure probably eventually because I landed up on like high blood pressure. So how, how do you find out if you have it? How, how do you, is it a test? Um, they did through like a bunch of blood work. And they do like urine tests. Um, they also did something called um, ptosis sinus sampling where they go through your femoral veins down by your groin and go all the way up to your brain and read like your cortisol levels. They did that. I had MRIs done. and They were like, there's an issue. Yes. So they come back to you and they say, we're going to have to go, we're going to have to operate. Mm-hmm. What goes through your mind? Um, I was more scared because of my kids. I want to leave them without a mom. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. It was there because I'm very active. And with the whole like disease, you kind of really can't remember things. And like it eats away at your muscles. So I was actually getting weak at the same time. Like I couldn't pick up my kids anymore. Like you bruise really easy. When I was going for blood work, I had to wear long sleeves because it looked like I had track marks down my wow. arms after taking blood. So, I mean, it was getting bad. Mm-hmm. There's also a fear. Now, did they give you certain odds? Like, there's a chance something could go wrong? Yeah, there was about, like, three complications. I got two out of all three. Wow. During surgery. So what does that mean? I had a spinal fluid leak, so they had an emergency take fat from my stomach to fix the leak. And then um, I had something called diabetes syphilis, where I couldn't retain water anymore. My kidneys weren't holding it. And then the other one was I could have lost my vision, but I didn't. I actually got better. God. Wow, that's freaking amazing. So when you woke up, you couldn't see? No, I could see. Wow. How long did it take to recover from that? It was crazy on how better you feel like after even like just a week. Like my energy was back up. Like I had no, literally I came out of surgery. I had no longer had to be on blood pressure medicine. My blood pressure dropped right back to normal. I was active. The weight started coming right off and... She's scaring the hell out of me. Maybe you're about to save my life. Maybe I should go check myself out for this thing. 
But um, it's you said it's common. It's not really they. It could be so many different things. Like you could have a thyroid problem. That's another symptom of it. There's so many different internal symptoms. So if the right doctor doesn't start testing you for that, they'll just either mask it with that. They'll mask it with birth control. They'll mask it with a whole bunch of other things like, oh, just lose weight. And Can I go see this doctor of yours? <laughs> sure. She's awesome. I just want to make sure. Does it have to be, it's a, it's a brain doctor? Well, he's the one that did the surgery. So I actually went to an endocrinologist and she's yes. the one that started doing all my hormones Englewood? and out of Hackensack. Hackensack. Short woman. Yes. Blondish hair, like like light brown. A little bit. I think I, I think I've been to her. <laughs> she said I was all right, but I didn't check for that. But um, yeah, she's she was great. She was like the second one that I went to, and right away, probably the second appointment, she was like, "We're gonna start testing you for this," because I went to a few other doctors, and they're like, "Oh no, you're." Basically, and this is what it. recent. Um, I had surgery in 2019. So last year. Yeah. That's amazing. So you had a, a you know, you had a very scary moment mm -hmm. where your life was on the line, and not just that. When you you're going into the brain, anything can happen. I went up through my nose. That's crazy. So that's got to be scary. I mean, how did you prep for that mentally? Did you? What did you tell yourself? I'm going to be okay? Pretty or did you try not to think about it? I'm just going to go in and whatever happens, happens. I was scared. I just didn't dwell on it. I was trying to be more strong and not show my kids that I was scared about it. How old are your kids? Eight and six. They know. But so. they don't know. They know, but they don't know. No, they age. knew. Like, they, they knew that something was wrong. Like, where I would be so active with them, like, riding bikes, running, and going in the jungle gyms with them. Like, I couldn't do any of that. It literally came to a screeching halt where I couldn't. I couldn't do it. I was unstable. Like I would just trip and fall and laugh at myself because that's who doesn't laugh when you fall. Oh, of course. But, but, um, thank God. Well, if anybody deserves to make a comeback, it's you. You help so many others. Thank God. God helped you. You believe in a higher power. Thank you. There's something there. Just over everybody. We're not just here by accident. <laughs> Folks, an extraordinary person. Just taught me about something I never knew about. So I want to thank you for that. I think you're an amazing person. Thank I you. think you're extremely humble. And um, the world needs more people like you. People who in a split second will forget about everything else and come to the aid of other people when they need them. And that's the way this world should be, and it's not. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people still like you out there, but there needs to be more. You're a trailblazer. You are very brave, courageous, not only that you, what you did th that day, you know, with the ferry rescue, but the fact that you have no problem pursuing what you want to pursue and you don't ask anyone for permission. And I like that. Thank you. And I think this is a good place to wrap it up. I think it's short, sweet and simple. And I think we're going to bring you back in the future. She's proof no matter what you've been through in life, no matter if you're a boy, a girl, whether you've had your heart broken, you've gotten sick, you've been to jail, everything goes wrong in life. As long as you have air in those lungs, you can always make a... Comeback. A comeback. This is Brittany Catanzaro. <laughs> and this is Beck Lover signing off. Miracle on the Hudson, the real story here and much more to come in the future. Subscribe and we'll see you next time. 
Beck Lover and the Comeback Team.